Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. My name is Paul Fagan, and I'm here with Jody Fisher. Hey, Jody, how are you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you this week? I'm doing well. Uh, actually, fantastic. This podcast is for all the dads out there who struggle with life's topics as they are related to family and finances. Our hope is that we can provide our thoughts, successes, and mistakes and share them with all of you. Today's topic, we're going to discuss unexpected financial panic. Uh, when an unexpected financial problem occurs, and how do you handle it? So I Cue thought the this... scary sound effects. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> I don't have them plugged in. <laughs> I wish I had them plugged in. That would have been great. Um... <laughs> but uh, you know, for me, my current situation when it comes to unexpected financial panic, it could kind of come from anywhere. Um, and I've had different financial problems that have kicked in. Uh, on me and my family pretty hard over time. Uh, some that come to mind is uh, we had a hot water tank in our basement, started leaking, right? So as soon as you see that, boom, that's probably $2,000 minimum, right? You have to get a plumber, new hot water tank. Jody, you might do that yourself. I'm not sure from, uh, I know you're handy with that for me. I won't that is one it. of those things. Yeah, that is one of those things where I know the limits of what I can do. So I would be calling a plumber in that case as well. And that's what I did. Right. So I had to call a plumber and the water's seeping. Luckily, it was seeping from the top. So it wasn't coming gushing from the bottom, uh, which was interesting. I also had a basement that I guess a drain backed up in my basement. And this was on of all days. It was on a Christmas Eve one year. And I had to call a plumber and and came in on emergency service. And uh, recently, uh, my generator uh, that's hooked up to the house uh, started sounding very weird. And you know when something sounds very weird when it comes to a motor? It could be a $5 part or it could be a new motor. <laughs> no one knows, right? At least I don't. Um, and then uh, the inevitable car troubles, right? Over time, we've had some car issues where um, it's not something that's easily fixed. And so you have to make the decision whether to pull the trigger on a new car or, or, or make the expensive repair. So for us, we live by the mantra of uh, the three to six month emergency fund in place. It's a must for us. Um, it makes emergencies uh, a lot less mm, panicky, if that's the right word. I don't know if that's a right, the right word for it, but there's a certain comfort level that we have that if we hit a catastrophic issue, money's typically not the problem. The, typically the problem is the logistics, getting the person or persons there to give you estimates, making sure you get decent pricing, getting it done in a timely manner, those types of things, right? So for us, having the emergency front has been key. Um, and, and for our house on the horizon, I could see in the next five years, probably a new roof, uh, central air. So we'll talk about how to plan for uh, the expected financial uh, issues that come up so you don't end up in an unexpected financial panic. So if you know your roof is going and your central air might be on its way out, start pre-planning that you may have to replace those as you're rolling the dice as they continue to work for you. So for us, having the emergency fund in place has made life a lot easier. So Jody, what, what's your current situation when it comes to financial uh, emergencies, unexpected financial panic, as we're calling it today? Uh, give us your, uh, your, your situation. Well, I can certainly identify with the roof situation there, Paul. We live in a house that was built in, you know, somewhere between 1950 and 1960. Uh, and we've got two old roofs up there that uh, have been 
failing for a while. And I know this because we've had several leaks inside the house. And I have two words, flex seal. <laughs> it's, oh, just like it's, on the TV just, commercial, huh? I, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> so, so my son is watching, and I guess all the kids are watching these YouTube videos or whatever. Somehow this guy who sells flex seal, which is this sort of sealant in a can. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. He, he, uh, he has uh, a boat that he covers the bottom with and he covers goes across a, boat, a lake. Right, and the whole thing. And I got to tell you, you know what it reminded me of in that movie, Cloudy, with a chance of meatballs? It was a book first, but the movie is great. Um, it reminded me of the stuff that the, that um, Flint Lockwood sprays on his feet in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it makes the shoes. <laughs> it's, it's the same kind of stuff. It just doesn't have glitter in it. Um, but I went up there and I, I, I hammered my roof, you know, all the, all the pain points with a couple of cans of Flex Seal. And I'm crossing my fingers so far so good because we have we got to get another year or so out of uh, out of that roof before we can afford to pay for one. Um, but yeah, you like you explained, Paul. There are those 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 moments where something goes, whether it's the hot water heater or the roof or the car or anything else, and you're staring down the barrel of several hundred, if not thousand dollars worth of repairs. And so, how do you pay for that? Um, you know, and really, I think people generally fall into one of two categories: they either have some kind of an emergency fund set aside. Um, and we recommend that everybody has some kind of an emergency fund set aside. The typical, uh, advice, like you said, Paul is three to six months. Um, but that, and, but that's for sort of, if you lose your job kind of thing, you, I think you also need a separate emergency fund for house type repairs. And that can take a lot of time to build up and to properly feed and, and manage. Um, but I think you really need to get started on that, especially once you get done paying off all your debt, you need to have yourself an emergency fund um, that's strictly for those type of house-related, car-related, whatever it is, emergency uh, situations. Um, you know, th- then we also have the other types of financial panic, which I wanted to talk about today. Um, and I'll throw it back to you in, in, in a second here, Paul. But, um, you know, I have some financial panic uh, moments every now and again um, running my business. Um, you know, if you run a business or, or you do anything that doesn't involve a regularly scheduled salaried paycheck, um, you need to do forecasts. You need to, uh, make sure that you're running a budget spreadsheet. Um, and so, so I can see, you know, forward as far as I forecast, I typically forecast forward two years. Um, and I'm looking at my budget spreadsheet into 2020 where I see a point where I need to create more revenue. And so I'm able to now look at that and forecast forward and figure out what I'm going to do for when that point gets here. But I need to start that now. I can't start that in several months when that time comes around. I'll be too late. Um, and, you know, be, be me being the micro budgeter that I am, I program everything written down to the last dollar. Um, there are lots of other financial panic moments I think we can talk about, but that's, I think, a good starting point. Yeah, I, I think you hit upon some I wasn't even thinking about, right? And you talk about unexpected, right? And we could probably break it out into many different podcasts, but job loss is a big one, right? Medical expense, unexpected medical ex- expense, right? And more importantly, if you have an expense that's beyond your emergency fund, how do you tackle that, right? So that's probably something to even think about. But I guess we'll kind of just chunk it down one piece at a time, right? So for me, whether it's a a car emergency for several hundred dollars or a flat tire, 
upwards of a job loss or even worse, a catastrophic medical issue within the family. Um, the big thing for me that I think I've taken away over life is, is try, and I'm going to emphasize the word try, try not to worry. And they always say it's a wasted emotion, but you try not to worry and you have to remain calm. And you have to look objectively at the situation. Um, I think that's something that plays as a common theme into all of these situations, Jody. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a similar saying of control what you can control. Don't worry about the rest. It's it's the same thing. I mean, there's no sense in worrying about things you can't do anything about. Um, at the same time, you know, I have this attitude of, of happen to life before it happens to you. So so it's kind of a balance there. And you, I think you got to find your own psychological balance. But you're, you're right, Paul. Just, you know, just control the things you can control. Yep. And, and one of the other things I try to do when looking at these types of situations is looking at the worst case scenario. So, for instance, if the roof is leaking, the worst case is they have to rip the roof off, put a new roof off. It could be ten, twenty thousand $20,000, whatever that is. And work my way backwards. And to your point, well, which in is, my or in my case, or in my case, go to the hardware store and buy fifty dollars worth of aluminum flashing and a and a bucket of of roofing nails and some Flex Seal and go up there and go to town. Which yeah, is I was, what I did a, a couple of weeks ago, where I I literally was up on the roof for you know a couple of hours and I just went around the perimeter of the roof and and I just sealed everything up and knock on wood, no leaks so far. Thank you, Flex Seal. That's great. And and if you're not as ambitious as Jody to go out and get on the roof, which I don't think I could get on my roof and do that, there's always handymen, right, that could do that. So I think part of this is to outline and weigh all your options, right? So let's stick with the leaky roof scenario. Um, if you start leaking, what is the first thing you do? And you start figuring out, you know, what do you do next in terms of calling a handyman, calling a roofing company? Um, getting estimates. So I think there's a path when it comes to any of these pieces. Uh, losing a job, same thing. If you walk in tomorrow and you, you find out that you've lost your job unexpectedly, what do you do next, right? So I think it all comes down to sitting down, trying not to worry, which would be hard for me, <laughs> but you try not to worry. You don't want to waste those emotions. You want to take your emotions and focus them positively pull out a legal pad, pull out your computer, start writing your notes and start sketching out how you want to proceed, whether it's getting estimates for your roof or looking for a new job and contacting your network, um, catastrophic medical, where you have to start looking at talking to different doctors, whatever that is. Um, I think uh, for me, it comes down to keeping a level head and trying to get the facts, trying to get your options laid out on the table so you can make an informed decision. I think too many people get carried away with the emotion of it and they just start uh, making uh, knee-jerk reactionary decisions without thinking them through. And some of the examples I've heard over time are when people have a problem with their car and they've got to bring it to the shop and that bill is going to be $1,000, right? And maybe the car is worth $4,000. Their emotional reaction might be, you know what? I'm not going to pour money good after bad. I'm going to go buy a new car. And they go out and they buy a brand new $30,000 car and they make $50,000 a year. Right? Um, I'm just using that as an example. But I think people do that. So try not to let emotions get in the path of a smart decision, an informed decision. So what are your thoughts on that, Jody? 
Yeah, completely agree. I always sleep on everything, um, you know, and, and if I'm trying to make a, the bigger the purchase I make, the longer I take to think about it. In other words, um, you know, and we all have that moment where, oh my gosh, I got, I, I have this thing. I got to get this thing. This thing is going to solve my problem. I got to go buy it right now. And so whenever I hear my brain say that I push pause and I say, okay, um, you know, set it aside and let's think about what we need to do. Go to sleep, wake up tomorrow morning. I inevitably come up with a new perspective, a new idea, um, and a less panicked approach to solving the problem. Um, agree with you, Paul, you got to have a strategy to overcome the problem. You got to think it through, figure it out, whether it's your computer, your legal pad, write things down, think things out, but take the time to do it. Do not make snap judgments. Do not impulse buy. I guess, you know, it's a conversation I have with my kids. It's a conversation I have with myself. Do not impulse buy. Um, you will almost always inevitably make a mistake. Um, when you impulse buy. Uh, so, so try to take the time and, and separate the emotion from the, um, the strategy behind the purchase. Yeah. And I, I think I agree with that scenario and I, I take that into my work life. I take that into my personal life. Um, the 24 hour rule, 48 hour rule, whatever gets you calm down. So you hit the issue, you come home, your air conditioner is not working. It's the summer. You really want your house to be cool, but the air conditioner is not working, right? Well, so, let's be honest. Okay, you come home, the air conditioner is not working. What are you going to do in that moment that's going to make the air conditioner work? Unless you, you know, accidentally flipped the wrong switch or the breaker went off or, you know, some simple thing like that uh, where it's like an oh-duh moment, the air conditioner is not going to get fixed right then and there. So – don't run out to the store and, you know, buy a new window air conditioner and throw it in or don't, you know, don't make a snap judgment. Step back for a moment, figure it out. And that actually happened to us. So, I mean, to kind of use that example, uh, a couple of summers ago, uh, we had a problem with our air conditioning unit and uh, came home and it wasn't working. Uh, it stopped working. And um, like to your point, what are you going to do in that moment? Right. It was it was warm out, but not too bad. We had a couple of fans in the basement. We pulled those up upstairs. Um, You're not going to die. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and, but, you die. know, and, and I think down. that we were able to uh, calmly the next day, I started making phone calls to different uh, air conditioning uh, places, which during the summer, you'd be surprised how little callbacks you get. Um, <laughs> it really is crazy. I think I called five different places. And finally, I called the place and they came over and they were able to fix the air conditioner, right? And so we got lucky on that point. Um, but I didn't really think ahead I, too much on that point because they actually had fixed it. But I have to ask myself, what happens if they came back and said, oh, you need a whole new unit? Like, what do you do next? And for me, if someone tells me I need a whole new unit, which IE equals, you know, 5,000, 10,000, depending on what part of the country you're in, for some reason, there's a floating cost around central air conditioning, right? Um, so um, wherever you are, don't panic once again. Find another, get another estimate, get another quote. We've talked about this in other podcasts. It's better to get three quotes uh, on stuff. In, in an emergency situation, the rules are a little bit more flexible. So in my case, they were able to fix the air conditioner for a couple of hundred dollars. I said, okay, we're, we're good. Right, because they could have sold me a brand new air conditioner, but they didn't. They said they could fix it, so we went with the fixed air conditioner. But in most cases, if you start getting catastrophic pricing, 
whether it's for a car or for a new roof or for uh, a, a repair of a leak, whatever that is on a roof, get multiple prices. Be an informed consumer. Make sure you get your three bids and you can listen back to our home improvement uh, episode to, to go through that. But I think that's a good rule of thumb is to always remain calm and, and always explore the options. What do you think about that, Jody? Yeah, I, I agree, Paul. I mean, there's there's always going to be unexpected expenses. And m the approach that I take to money into budgeting is that the more that I can plan for everything that I know is coming, the more that I can mitigate the panic of an unexpected expense. Um, you know, just this week uh, on a completely different scale, uh, but in a similar way, you know, we had like two or three different school trip permission slips that came home. And when you added them all up, it was $10 for this and it was something for this and something for that. And there was one that was like almost a hundred bucks for a trip into New York City, hmm. which is this annual trip that I guess the fifth grade takes. And it's supposed to be the most amazing thing in the world, whatever. I don't know. The kids look forward to it. So we're going to try to figure out a way to do it. But the bottom line is that was an unplanned budget expense. They just, you know, all these permission slips just drop from the sky and you need a field day t-shirt and you need a, a this thing and that thing. And, a, and I looked at it and I was like, we didn't plan for this. <laughs> and and so then I sit down and I open up my budget spreadsheet and I look at it. And I'm like, OK, we got to plug all this stuff in. Um, we got to figure it out. But but the idea being is that um, I had plan. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it too much because, one, I, there's not much I can do about it. Just got to figure out a way to plan to to pay for it. But two. Having everything else planned, I'm able to then plug it into the everything else and mitigate that panic, you know, stop that emotion down and figure out how to do it. Um, and, and the action that I take away is that we regularly budget money for lots of these different lines. And I've, I've explained my my intentional approach to money and my my micro approach to money. Um, we budget money every weekend, week in, week out. Money for the kids, money for a gift fund, money for a vacation fund, money for an emergency fund. It's not much, but over time, it ends up being a nice little chunk of money that we are able to dip into when those expenses come around, and then it smooths out the rest of the budget. Um, also, and, and this is just an important one for me, and other people may, may gravitate to this too, um, budgeting all that little money, throwing money in this envelope and that envelope or this savings account or whatever, spreading all that money out, it leaves me with less money every week to play with. <laughs> you know, that little money left over. And that's, to me, the thing that can really sink me. I mean, I'm, I'm not a saver, actually. I'm a spender in savers clothing. So, so the less money that I have to play with, I think the better off I am. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty smart. That's pretty smart. Well, you know your you know yourself, and I think that's important. I know for me, when it comes to knowing myself, I'm a big adverse. I'm I'm really adverse to risk, right? I'm risk adverse. So for me, the emergency fund is actually probably more than six months for us. And the reason why is my huge risk. You know, my, my risk meter is broken one way, and that's I'm always fearful that something catastrophic could take place. So I try to put as much money into the emergency fund as possible to mitigate risk and to turn emergencies into uh, things that are, that, are, that, are, that are not as, hmm, how do I put this? So certain things in our lives 
are not emergencies anymore because they're just part of the cost of doing business. If you blow a tire or if you have to do an unexpected, you know, $1,000 home repair, I'm grateful and thankful we have that kind of money put aside so we just repair and make the repair. I don't worry about the money part of it. I'm always worried. My first thought is the logistics. How am I going to get somebody here to give me the quotes? I have to be here to talk them through you know, the problem and I need to get the estimates and then I need to line them up and then someone has to be there to let them in, you know, and those where I get into. So what's great about having a solid emergency fund is it takes the panic of financial off the table and just leaves the other inconveniences that you're left with. But it is a big lift to have the money lifted off of your shoulders, which kind of goes into another uh, side topic here or another topic uh, within is the emergency fund. What if you don't have enough in your emergency fund currently, or you hit a situation where you know, you just won't have enough money to do whatever you got hit with? And I don't know what that might be. And for everyone, it's different. But someone's gonna, you're going to hit a limit where, as to where you're not going to have enough money to cover the issue. So what do you do? And for me, Jody, I'm, I'm not quite sure what that is. I think if I had to, I would dip into retirement savings. I'd have to look at home equity lines. I'd have to look into the dreaded credit cards, um, whatever it would take to get me out of that situation. Now, there are financial experts out there that will shoot down everything I just said and say, don't ever exacerbate the, the situation by going into massive credit card debt or getting a home equity line or touching your retirement fund. But I think there are certain catastrophic situations that may call for that. And I think you have to be level-headed enough that after you weigh all your options, maybe those are the options on the table if the if the emergency is big enough. Jody, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, so I always try to let the math do the thinking for me uh, because numbers don't lie. Uh, science doesn't lie. Um, and so that's why I plug everything into my spreadsheet. So whenever, whenever I'm faced with a purchase, whether it's, you know, something that I just want or something that I need. And we're foreshadowing a future podcast there, Paul. Um, yes. I, I, I let the math do the thinking for me. And that includes, do I have enough money in the budget to cash flow? Cause that's always my first choice um, to try to plug it into the budget and pay for it in the regular course of business. Option two, can I dip into savings um, and still use cash to do it, just unbudgeted cash as opposed to cash that we've set aside and like you talked about in an emergency fund. Option three, I think I would probably go to a credit card if I needed to, but I would also try to plug in how can I pay that credit card down in a finite amount of time. I'm not just going to throw it on a credit card and figure it out later. I'm going to go into that purchase knowing, okay, I'm going to put it on a credit card and in fill-in-the-blank months – I'm going to have that credit card paid off, including the interest and everything else. Um, and then for, you know, depending on the circumstance, and you talked about things like catastrophic illness um, and something that really, really is life threatening, I might then go to um, a financial professional and and talk about retirement savings or or anything else like that. But that would be to me, an extraordinary circumstance. It would not be 
I mean, that would literally like my house is leveled to the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed or or someone has a life threatening illness and has, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of medical bills. And you're talking about saving someone's life. Um, it would be an extraordinary circumstance that I would do that. Everything else I'm going to figure out how to pay with either in cash, in emergency fund money, which is also cash or in or a credit card, but yeah. a credit card with a plan. That makes sense. Right. And, and I think we'll, we'll shift out of the catastrophic and go to and, and maybe bring the conversation into a, a little lighter note. <laughs> so um, plan, pre-planning for the inevitable emergency. Right. So if you know that your car is getting older, if you know your roof is getting weaker, right, whatever that is, um, certain things you should be able to forecast for. I know in my... Did I mention Flex Seal? Did I mention Yes, Flex yes, 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 you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, understood, understood. I think for me, though, the topic that I want to hit upon uh, to kind of wrap, you know, to kind of the last topic for the podcast today is making sure that if you know you have issues such as a roof or central air conditioner or a car or a medical for I guess well medical is probably hard to kind of uncover but let's just stick with the housing pieces for now or if you think you you have a job loss coming right so if you bundle all those things together chances are some of these things don't have to be an unforeseen emergency right they they could be sort of planned out so if you know your air conditioner is and you've been told hey you're 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 playing on um you know, you're, you're playing, you know, you're, you're, you may, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, this thing could go at any day now. You're playing with an inevitable. Well, and, and let's be honest, right? Everything's going to go someday. The air conditioner is going to go. The roof is going to go. The car is going to go. Everything's going to go. You should, I mean, when you step back and think about it, you should be able to see all these things coming, right? It's just a matter of when. So what's your excuse for not planning for it? No, agreed. Agreed. And I think that comes into play with all your financial decisions, like you said um, before, you, you plan everything at the, at the micro level. I do it at the macro level. I have a healthy emergency fund. You have a healthy emergency fund. If we lose a refrigerator or we have an issue with the roof or we have a issue with uh, the air conditioner, we could deal with it, right? Job loss, we deal with it. Um, you know, medical issues, we deal with it. So I think, you know, I think that all comes into play. So I think for me... The, you know, I'm going to go start going into the uh, summary recap section, right? So for me, I think the biggest takeaway from today is probably uh, stay calm, right? And, and try to make sure that you go in with a level head to make those level-headed decisions so you don't make a snap decision and put yourself in a financial bind. Uh, Jody, what is your, your thoughts when it comes to uh, wrapping up today's uh, podcast? I I think I'm just going to jump back to what I just said. There's always going to be unexpected expenses. And the more you can plan for everything else in your life, the more you can mitigate the panic of an unexpected expense. Um, The other thing I would just recommend is, like I said, sort of that little walk up that I just did, you know, try to pay for things in cash because cash will will never come back to bite you later, even if you have to, um, you know, cut back in other areas buying in cash will always be your friend. Um, if you need to put it on a credit card, put it on a credit card with a plan to pay that credit card off. Um, but, but more than anything else is just start saving, 
for something that is going to come someday because it will come someday and it doesn't have to be this big boogeyman out there that you don't know just stashing some money in an envelope for starters or stashing some money in a separate saving account for starters could be five bucks a week ten bucks a week figure out how you start and then get started and stuff it in there and and get going you will be thankful when that unexpected expense comes around someday because it will well, Jody, that was great advice, great recaps. So I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.